Hello everyone, this is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 30. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about developing a foster care community. I'll be speaking with the founders of Connect Child and Family, Catherine and Adam Adrian, all about their journey to becoming foster parents and developing a ministry to support other foster parents in the local community. Please join me now on episode number 30 of the Connected Family Podcast with Catherine and Adam Adrian. Okay, so welcome back to the Connected Family Family Podcast. I am very excited to have guests with me today. Uh, I have been doing the show solo for a few weeks here, but I have with me Catherine and Adam Adrian. They are the founders, I guess we would say, of Connect Child and Family. They're foster parents. They are a caseworker and social media guru. Can I call you a social media guru? I'll take that. Okay. Um, and they're going to share with us today their journey into foster care and into starting Connect Child and Family. So um, introduce yourselves, Catherine and Adam. Sure. Um, where do we start? Uh, my name's Ka- my name is yep. not Catherine. My name is Adam. Yep. And um, this is my wife, uh, Catherine. And um, we are um, excited to be here and um, to be on the podcast and just to kind of share a little bit about um, our passion uh, for the foster care community and um, just um, what's kind of birthed out of um, just saying yes to uh, the call and the definite need of becoming foster parents. Um, let's see, we got married. I think two years ago. Um, it's three and two weeks. Oh, three and two weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's just went went by so quickly. Um, and uh, yeah, um, what else can you add to our introduction, babe? Um, we both work full time um, outside of Connect and outside of. Well, I guess I can't say outside of fostering anymore because I'm to your caseworker, but. Um, outside of what we do with connecting with our mission. Um, like you said, Adam works at Chadock and I work for the crossing and, um, connect is just something that kind of, we put together as, um, the community kind of came together and did it with us. So it is not our full-time gig, but it is definitely a full-time mission and passion of ours. Yeah, I bet. Certainly something that when you get involved, I think in foster care, it's like, it becomes a passion. And I, I would think even has to be a passion to really you know, throw yourself into that because of the challenges and the emotions that are put into it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I always say I didn't understand. I always saw all these people that felt called to certain things. And um, as people of faith, I know I was called to disciple and I was called to follow Christ, but I never um, felt called to anything specific until I had children in my home, foster children in my home. And then I was like, oh, I get it now. (laughs) This is, this is my mission field. So absolutely. So tell us, tell me how that journey began, your journey to foster care, how you experienced the call to become foster parents. Sure. Well, I think both of us kind of growing up, um, we always had um, just um, 
we grew up in a Christian home and just those values and principles were instilled in us from a young age, just mm-hmm. to, um, just to, um, love God and love others. And, um, just kind of look at the world in a lens that, you know, God would look at the world and just see the needs all around. And, um, I know I, I kind of always had a tug to, um, just be a, be a, a um, a great example for people, um, to follow. Um, and, um, I don't know. Um, that, that was just always a goal on my, um, end of things before I met Kat. And then, um, we got married and the, the church we attend, the crossing kind of had, um, just a, um, series of, um, ser- a sermon series. And it just kind of really tugged at, tugged at our heartstrings of, you know, um, let's foster. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can add to the story a little bit. Um, but, uh, I think one Sunday we both um, listened to the message at church and then afterwards we just sat down and said, Hey, um, let's get licensed. Let's go through the classes. And, um, you know, we, we don't have to say yes to any placements, but at least we have that piece of it done. So, mm-hmm. um, at least we're being faithful in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think the difference between the two of us was that once we were married, I was always trying to find the right timing. Whereas he was always just saying, this is the good and right thing to do. So we do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so it was kind of that fight between like, when is the right time to do it versus we just know that this is what we should do. Um, so it was interesting because the Sunday that we did decide to do it that Saturday before we had decided most definitely not to. And I remember the car ride where we said, okay, like this is not what we're being called to do right now. Like we have been married. Um, it was just short of six months at the time. Everyone thought we were crazy and we probably were, but like, thankfully we didn't know we were. And, um, just, it was good to be naive at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so we decided not to on Saturday on Sunday, we both decided to do it. And, um, the cool thing is we found out a year or two later that that day was the day that our first sibling set was placed into care with relatives. And, um, they had to go to relatives first and that's always tried if they can. And so by the time we were licensed, they were ready to move to traditional care. And, um, I think their story began when our story began with yeah. that. Kind of cool. That's amazing. I like how you both have referred to it as your, your sort of say, you're saying yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like just stepping into the word yes. And man, this is a scary yes to say, but I'm just going to walk into it even though it's scary. And I think it's easier when it's just one step, just a step of yes. A lot of people say like, okay, so what do I do? Give me the action plan. And if you can just put it into baby steps like that of I'm not, a child's not moving in tomorrow and I'm not, I don't have to have my house finished and all this stuff, but I can just say yes to that and yes to getting more answers and making that first phone call. Then it makes it a lot more feasible as an action plan, I think. Yeah. And so you probably mentioned this a little bit, but I imagine, so in that, yes, there are some fears or concerns about mm-hmm. moving into that. What were some of those things for you guys? I mean, uh, it's kind of one of them things, well, how is my support system, how is my family going to, um, you know, 
take the news that we're bringing home um, kids that uh, we, we aren't, you know, um, a blood relation to mm-hmm. and um, kids with trauma, um, you know, that um, sometimes the behavior that they're exhibiting um, in a normal scenario um, doesn't make sense to a lot of, you know, I know for me and my parents, you know, kind of working through, you know, bringing these kids into our home and letting them, um, you know, be involved with our different traditions that we have as a family and just trying to um, inform them that the look past the behaviors and mm-hmm. you know there's obviously a need behind these behaviors and sometimes they don't even know why they are acting the way they are acting and just to always you know act with grace and always act with just patience and try to act in a way that um you know yeah. can um help rewire these kids' brains because a lot of times you know with trauma you know their brains have been um, kind of stunted from growing and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So. Yeah, it makes me think of the fact that, so moving into foster care, and I imagine what you guys have learned in regards to how trauma impacts a child, and the thinking past the behavior, thinking underneath the behavior is not the way that we think in our mm-hmm. culture as parents, as people who look at children generally. We look at children who have difficulties with regulation and difficulties with behavior and we go why is that kid being a pain in the butt i i i mean i'm a i'm a therapist i think the people listening know that and i i've had that thought why is this guy ruining my classroom or whatever (laughs) and to have that new perspective and really for you guys probably educating your family members about this is what we're doing and this is gonna we have to look it's important for us to look differently um, at the kids that we're serving and are living in our home how about for you, Catherine, other fears that come to mind? Yeah, um, for me, I think it was uh, maybe an insecurity of am I selfless enough to do this, um, which I found out I'm not. So I had to really kind of reshape myself. Like we have this child trying to adjust. And then meanwhile, I'm in the background going, okay, so how do I become a new, better person? Um, but I think that was a lot of it, a lot of um, – Am I just so drawn to take action? Am I, am I prepared to actually do what it takes day in and day out um, and give up date nights and normal young marriage things? And we were renovating a home at the time, and that was my favorite thing in the world to do is work on projects and just all the little things that are so insignificant compared to um, trying to impact lives. But at the same time, it's that fight between what do I deserve versus what do I have to give? Hmm. So and you don't saying, deserve anything. That's silly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one to come to realize, isn't it? <laughs> that we don't yeah. deserve anything. Hmm. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a daily thing. Like one of the things we talk about is how to continue, which it's not enough for me to have to try again each day. Like I have to try again morning, afternoon, and night. Hmm. Um, and but that's kind of one of those lessons I think that we just have to keep reminding ourselves of is um, like one of the quotes I think we shared recently on our page was, yeah, there's a lot of pain, but the great pain is also the great love that another child experiences. And just that perspective, I think kind of puts you back to a foundational place. Yeah. I think I heard you say, I'm reading between the lines here a little bit, but I think I heard you say that you've had to give up more than you expected or give more. Say a little bit about that. 
Um, so one of the things is, and this sounds silly, but being okay, he's gonna, oh, sorry, our dog is barking in the background. So That's your viewers, right. hi COVID, when we're <laughs> talking from home. <laughs> um, one of the things is I had to give up my possessions. Um, my, our first two children, we've had four children ranging from eight months to nine years old. Um, <clears throat> and we've yet to be able to see a reunification case, but we have seen um, some reunification with family members and things. So different stories, but our first two were a sibling set and um, they really liked to run things in my home. <laughs> and so like we had brand new butcher block counters that, you know, like you go find the clearance ones that you're installing and staining yourself and all these pride, this pride's put into them and then a Sharpie is taken to them and um, things are broken and kicked and flipped over. And I realized that the house, the walls in our house had to be as strong for them as I wanted them to realize our grace and our love is. And so we had to give up our home. Um, and in essence, I had to say, I care more about the healing you're going to experience in this moment than what you're going to do, the trauma you're going to cause to our walls. Um, so that's a really material thing, but that was a really big thing for me. That was a turning point for me. Um, I think I was more impatient. Adam likes to joke that I was just, I shouldn't admit this, that I was a yeller, which I never knew I was until I had children in the home and I had to nip that in the bud. And I don't, I don't, I would not classify myself as that anymore. Do you agree? No, shoot. You've uh, <laughs> did a lot of, uh, self, deep, self deep growth. Searching. Yeah. Searching. Yeah. But a big turning point was saying nothing matters more to me than the needs of this child. Wow. And that was how I was able to mentally grab that, grasp that for myself. Yeah. I mean, that's so crucial. And I, the way that you said it is just so powerful that nothing is more important than the grace that I want to show the child. And totally, if that becomes your perspective, I can see how it would make it easier to respond in a way when mm. there are difficult things happening that with more grace and with more, well, it's just a wall. It's a countertop. Mm -hmm. It'll it'll be okay. I want to be here present for you in this moment and help you through this really difficult time yeah. as the message that you want to send to the kid. Cool. Yeah. And it's funny. I kind of joke. So like our bathroom's the room we haven't touched yet. And so I have this blue bathtub <laughs> and the I hate you that was etched and it has faded away, but in the drain, it still says hi because it was like, that was etched into our drain. So every time mm. I take a shower or bath, like my child's trying to get at me saying hi. And now it just brings me joy. Cause I'm like, this is it. This is our journey. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you're sharing a little bit about some of the difficulties and the challenges mm -hmm. of being foster parents. I, I know there are also joys and there are positive yeah. things. How did, how were you prepared? How, what are the things that you have to go through in order to be prepared for the difficulties and for the joys and the great parts of it? What do you guys think? Um, I'm big on just a support system. I know uh, kind of our motto for Connect is be the village, um, kind of based off the saying, it takes a village. Mm -hmm. And um, just knowing that um, if you're going to try to do this foster care, foster parent journey alone, um, it, I, I think you'll become a statistic. Um, uh, we have a statistic here that says, you know, 30 to 50% of foster parents kind of flame out or burn out after the first year. Mm. And I would, it'd be a safe bet to say that, um, you know, 
just without a support system, without those things in place, you know, it's, it's not going to be uh, a good situation or, you know, be a uh, sustained situation, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, and with that and with surrounding ourselves with the community in a village, if you will, mm-hmm. um, we've also surrounded our children with other children that are like them. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my biggest surprises is I thought that I was supposed to put my foster child in every situation. So they did not feel like an outlier. So like you go to school with all the quote unquote normal kids and you go to church with all of these kids and you're just as valued as they are and fit in with that. And our child, one of our children actually told us like, Hey, I really enjoy times where I can be around all foster kids and we're just foster kids. And like, I know they're going through what I'm going through. And I was like, Oh, that's good to know. So we created a village for her as well. And I think there's such joy in that. And, and part of that is in a really short time, you get to see fast forward growth and development. So whereas in a normally nurtured child, you see these wonderful developmental stages i assume we haven't been biological parents <laughs> from what i hear they're milestones but with um a child from trauma that is now in nurture and routine yes you go through all these things but what's really cool is they hit these milestones really fast and so it feels really drawn out but we look back at two years the longest we've had our current one we've had for two years and um I mean, she was the three developmentally when we got her. And I would say she's on par as an eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old now. And so we went through all these attachment phases and all these discoveries and and the talents and hobbies she loves and excitement and expressing herself. And it just, I got to see a new thing every day. And I think that's one of the really exciting, rewarding parts of foster care. That's really exciting to hear to think because you Adam you were talking earlier about rewiring the brain and mm-hmm. and that's essentially what you're doing there as that child is in your home and you're having the opportunity to catch have the brain wiring catch up and through those developmental processes and having been a therapist and worked with children in uh, foster care to hear that when they're in those homes and are experiencing those things that developmentally they can catch right up and really make progress and how those experiences are powerful in their life is so encouraging and wonderful. So that's, that's cool to hear. And you get a firsthand view of it. I'm sure when you're the parent. Yeah, it's really, it's, and it's nothing you can even take credit for when it's that fast. And you know, you failed so many times, like I can't even be like, Oh my gosh, look how great we are at fostering. It's just like, holy cow, look at the human brain and what can happen. Um, Just the resiliency of these little ones that come in with, you you know, you get bits and pieces of, you know, why they've come into care. And it's, it's, it can blow your mind at some of the, um, the things that these young ones have experienced and how they continue to battle and survive and just, you know, and in and, and one of our girls' cases, just thrive as she's, you know, felt safe and, um, you know, and put in a lot of work to get to where she's at. Yeah, that the girl I'm assuming you're talking about, she just said actually on her last therapy appointment, and she wouldn't mind me sharing, but she goes, she, uh, negative self-talk is just one of her go-tos and it's always been very severe and so she's like oh I hate my mind after she said something and she stopped and 
honestly, it, I didn't even think to register it because I can't, you kind of get used to hearing some of these things and mm. it can almost, you can make it silly and laugh it off. And I didn't think of it. And she stopped and she goes, okay, I have a good mind. I just forget things sometimes. And I was like, she just rewrote her script. Like yes. that may yeah. seem like something minor, but to us and for her, and that's part of redefining what success is, the success mm. of a child and what this child can grow into, not what your normal definition of what mm. growth is. For her, that was like monumental. Mm. And she rewrote that script before I even thought to encourage her to. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm like, can I have a piece of that magic that you just <laughs> did on your own brain? Because I need some of right. that, like rewriting right. my own negative thoughts and thinking and all that sort of stuff. And I've yeah. been working at it for a while too. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> what are some of the lessons, um, mistakes made? You know, obviously without, um, obviously you can't share, you know, stories about, that would reveal details about the children, but just mistakes, lessons, successes that you have had in your experience? Um, for me, just part of kind of who I am, <laughs> I tend to push the limits and I guess you could call me a but button pusher. Mm -hmm. um, I like to pack or just kind of keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And there's a line and, and there's a lot of times where I'll go past the line mm. and um, to a fault. And a lot of times, um, you know, I guess there's a, 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 a phrase you call it like flipping your lid or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think sometimes my behavior, because I do what I do, um, triggers or pushes these kids, you know, farther than they, they need to go. And just realizing over time that, you know, Yes, it's fun to have fun and, you know, push buttons and things of that nature. But, um, you know, there's a limit and that's mm -hmm. <laughs> been learned over time and I haven't been fully successful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Oh, gosh. That's just a simple, you know, one over the time. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think, I, you know, both of you have shared because you talked about how you, um, Catherine, how you were a yeller previously. Yeah. And so I appreciate your sharing just the personal growth that you have experienced through the process. As a parent myself, I certainly relate to the idea of how much I've grown as a parent based on what I've learned from my kids. And I think, you know, the same principle applies. And it, I think because of my experience as a parent, the more we can grow, I imagine the more you guys can grow and other people can grow, be willing to grow, look at their own stuff, learn about their own stuff. As foster parents, the better they serve the kids, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, yeah, I was going to give an example of that, but it's just so true. I mean, there, you have a happier child when you are, um, more of an encouragement when you can understand more so when they're coming from where they're coming from, when you put their needs before your own. And that doesn't mean being a pushover because their needs are routine and structure and all of that. But when you learn to communicate them with them where they can actually hear you, mm -hmm. um, they actually have a chance for growth. So how on earth would I expect any of these kids to grow and develop and heal if I'm not providing an environment where they can increasingly do that. 
or um, you know, model to them saying I'm sorry. There's been yeah. times where um, I've got got on one of our uh, foster daughters, or I, even, or I even got on my wife, and without coming coming back to them or without you know them seeing, hey, I'm sorry. As a man, um, mm-hmm. they don't you know get to see that modeled and then as they grow up and as they look for you know um spouses and things of that nature i mean uh and i don't do it perfectly but um just the opportunity to model hey i'm sorry i i did make a mistake Mm -hmm. but um we're gonna move i'm gonna you know basically you know redo (laughs) yeah do have a redo redos are huge in our house Mm -hmm. and and go from there. Yeah. Now that idea of apologizing when you make a mistake is so important. I was at a parent training one time and the trainer said, the most important thing I've ever done in my life as a parent was to apologize when I made a mistake. Mm. I've held on to that. And um, so I love that idea. What inspired you all to start Connect Child and Family? Well, we have foster parent friends um, kind of all around. It's mostly Midwest, but in different areas in some bigger cities like Columbia or St. Louis. And um, they all have these nonprofits. So they were talking about all these resources they have that support not only the foster families, but the agencies that serve them. So I think a lot of times um, the state or an agency can get a bad rap because they're so overworked (laughs) and underappreciated. And so we, um, just in looking at what other resources existed, we started looking for that here and it didn't exist. Now there were amazing resources like Chadock has great trauma training. Mm -hmm. And there was the trauma training you said that you went to once, um, that LifePoint hosted. Mm -hmm. And we have, um, Great case. We've experienced great caseworkers, great therapists. There are all these things. But cost workers. Cost work, yes, yeah. cost workers. But the hub that brought all these places together didn't exist. You kind of had to go out and seek all of them. And so we um, sat down at the table with all three of our um, local agencies and we said, okay, we're not reinventing the wheel. First of all, you guys are the experts. Second of all, fostering nonprofits are all over the country but what do you want in Quincy? Like, what can we create that brings Quincy's needs forefront? Mm-hmm. And um, they made a list and that created Connect. Wow, so I didn't realize that. So it was, you had sat, you sat down with them and you're like, hey, what do you guys need and what needs to happen in the community? And that's what you started. And I mean, we kind of, as foster parents, you know, um, we really, you know, dealt with, you know, educational advocacy. We dealt with uh, hospitalization. We dealt with all these different things and we just were realizing there were some gaps that, you know, everybody's trying to, um, you know, make it the best situation, but there's just, you know, you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And that, that was just kind of how things started to um, get some traction. And then we had the meeting with the different agencies and uh, just it kept snowballing and the, 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 the snowball's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I had no desire to create a 501c3. Um, that process isn't fun, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Um, the results are really fun. I love what we get to do, but it, it was born out of what we saw as need. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So what are those things, like, you know, the needs of those agencies that you spoke to? What are the primary things that you guys are doing and 
yeah, sure. impacting? How are you helping the families? You want to go? Um, yeah, we'll kind of talk about a couple things I'll talk about is one of the things that got really large that I did not anticipate was our resource closet. So we created um, kind of like a, we call it the boutique. And we created this cute little shop within um, our office. We have a thousand square feet donated to us by Nat Pide. And so we created um, this little shop so people can come in and pick out what they want. Kids can shop. Um, and if it's a multi-child family, some kids can play and wreak havoc on um, other parts of the area. And then while they get to focus and pick out what they want. And then COVID happened because we're still, so we're not even quite a year old. So that was a big chunk of our first year. And um, what we started doing a lot more porch drop-offs. But either way, um, our resource closet and our donations just blew up what we thought would be a one one room in our space is now three rooms in our space wow. and um we have volunteer teams dedicated just to our donations and we do everything from socks and underwear to bedroom sets and furnishing apartments and homes um and with that we really began doing furniture as we started working with intact families so that's one of the blessings of covid was we, I shouldn't say blessings of COVID, but finding the pot, finding the light in the darkness of yeah, it right. was, um, we got in contact with an intact caseworker at DCFS. And um, for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, that's families that we're trying to keep together that have not, their children have not be, yet been removed from their home, but they're kind of flagged as high risk and they do have an open case. And so the state really does come alongside them and say, how can we help you and how can we nurture your family so you can stay a unit? And so we said, we want to be a part of that. We want to diminish the children coming into care, but we still want them to be safe. Mm -hmm. So we work really closely. Um, we were actually on the phone with DCFS right before hopping on here. And um, day and night, we work with them and we see what does each specific family need to stay together. And that can be a physical need, an emotional need, whatever it is. Um, so those are two areas where those have really taken off and grown into something in addition to the resource closet, we call them starter kits. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times when kids come into care, if they've already been in care, um, you know, they may come to the next home with, that, with nothing, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a trash bag with their belongings um, um, until they can get, you know, if there's a voucher, a clothing voucher available to them. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to show up when they get the call and a foster parent says yes to having a kid come into their home. You know, we want to show up with a change of clothes, hygiene products, just kind of something to get them uh, up, uh, on on the ground running that mm -hmm. first 24 hours. Um, just because I know our first 24 hours, you know, it was, we, we met at a laundromat. There was, you know, chance of bed bugs. You know, we had friends come over and they were doing lice treatments at 12, you know, in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, thankful we had those supports available to us, but a lot of times um, other people don't. So mm -hmm. if we can, you know, help in those transition moments in any way and help ease kind of the, the stress and just the, 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 the um, I don't know. Um, we just want to do that. Anxiety and pressure. Yeah, anxiety and pressure um, with those starter kids. So that's kind of um, one of the resources. Uh, another resource, um, we really um, noticed that um, with a lot of the uh, visits between, you know, bio parents and kids, um, mm -hmm. they were occurring, um, you know, McDonald's at a park. There really wasn't a space to say, hey, um, you know, 
this is available to you, come use it. So in, in, in our thousand square feet, we have a room for um, those bio visits to occur um, where they can um, do homework, they can play, they can, you know, just do any of the skills that, um, you know, maybe down the road we want to work into helping those parents, you know, develop some of those skills to, yeah. um, you know, be able to uh, parent those the kids um, better. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to develop that space for them. Mm-hmm. So um, we created a space for that. We have a conference space for licensing groups, um, okay. foster support group cafes, um, just, you know, things that um, a space that is solely foster care. Cause we started, mm-hmm. we started in churches and, um, you know, scheduling became an issue and uh, mm-hmm. we were, we're so thankful for the churches that we were in, but a lot of times, you know, um, their miss their missions, you know, to win souls for Christ and sometimes mm-hmm. foster care, you know, it, you know, on the spectrum may fall, you know, mm-hmm. into a scheduling conflict. Mm-hmm. So, um, we were able to, uh, have a spatial, um, solution to that i guess you yeah. could say just a place that you know if it's foster care oh it's probably a connect yeah, right? yeah. Just you know, familiarity with it right and so we have more that we hope to bring um we have we one of the things is like i said we work with them day and night we do not close um but at the same time we do not have office hours because we both work full time so we would like to provide more office hours or people can come in without scheduling appointments and truly mm-hmm. be available 24 7 um to our people in our community. Um, and we also have been for the past year just brainstorming. Um, one of the requests was childcare. We all know <laughs> whether foster care or just a parent in this town, childcare can just be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we do dream to answer that call someday that they, they said, Hey, we could really use this. And we have a couple ideas of how we may be able, even on a really small scale, provide some emergency childcare because the number one reason parent licensed foster parents say no to children coming into their homes in Quincy is because they have to go to work the next day and they don't have childcare. So if we can just take away those hurdles, um, we're brainstorming how to do that. But yeah, baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> just that next step, saying yes to the very next thing. Yes. Thing, yes. Uh, earlier was, oh, right, we're going to take the next one and the next one and it'll lead wherever it goes into the next yes. So that's pretty yeah. cool. How, what would you say, or how do people get involved with foster care and with Connect? Start with foster care. If someone is listening and they're like, I need to do foster care, what would they do? Yeah, so now what you can do is you can just reach out to us and we will get you connected. Um, You don't have to do that. What you can do is just call one of our three agencies in town. We have DCFS, Chaddock, and Lutheran Child and Family Services. Is that all right? Um, so those are our three agencies. They're all wonderful. And you can literally just Google their number, number, call them and say, hi, I want to be a foster parent. And they will um, be like, yes. Absolutely. And then they start clapping. Yeah, it's this whole ordeal. <laughs> Angels are singing. Um, <laughs> but if you want, um, if you want your hand held a little bit through it, because all that just seems like, what do I even say? Mm-hmm. Then you can find us on social media or you can email us at connectchildandfamily at gmail.com. And we'll get you phone numbers and names and just kind of get you set up so it feels a little less daunting. Excellent. And then they would probably be in uh, kind of um, 
have a step into your community and the support and the village that you were talking about and beginning that journey for them, I imagine. Yeah, that's our hope. Yeah. <laughs> How about if people want to help out Connect Child and Family, what do they do? We can go to our website. Um, there's a volunteer form on there. There's a couple buttons you can click at the top and bottom of the page to volunteer. That's our website. Um, and our website is connectchildandfamily.com. And um, you can also find that on our social media pages and uh, Facebook and Instagram. Good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not specific. He's the detail person. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm feelings. Um, so yeah, you can um, fill out a form or just say, Hey, I want to get involved and I'll send you the form. I've had some people do that. And we have a few volunteer opportunities right now, but those are ever growing. And so we have an email list and we email our team as new opportunities arise so we can really find a good fit for you and, and your passions and how you want to support foster care. Excellent. So plenty of room to volunteer, to get involved. I'm sure it sounds like taking donations of all sorts of different things. That um, So there's a number of different ways that people can be involved and help out in any way that they want or they Absolutely. can. Yeah. It's not all about just bringing kids into your home. It's just saying, I want to um, be a part of this movement in my community and we can yeah. find a place for you. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today um, and for sharing your story, your journey into foster care and about Connect Child and Family. And um, it's been, yeah, it's just fun to talk to you and I hope to continue to get, you know, to know you guys a little bit more as we move forward. So yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about building the foster care community, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at ConnectionsQuincy.com.